Blog Talk Radio. Okay, we're live. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Christmas. Uh, quick housekeeping note, we will not be uh, live next week as, as everybody's going to be enjoying their Christmas holiday, uh, but this is the, the weekend before Christmas. This is when everything is starting to happen here. Are you ready for Christmas? Let's break it down. 917-889-8516 is our digits. My name is Tom Marcos Del Presidente. Hey, Facebook friends. Thank you for joining us also live on Facebook. We're going to do this a little bit different today. We're not going the full two hours like we did last week. We're only going to cover the, the first hour. And we've got Scott uh, Lamb and Rick Riggin, our college football prognosticators. Also, uh, Tony Donahue from the Tony D. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, for the Tony D podcast joins us at 930. And then coming up in the second hour. Uh, always a privilege to have Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com on with us. I'm going to be talking about the Colts and the implications of the playoffs, talking some Oklahoma cards with IU and a lot of different things, and and and, and giving some acclimates acclimates to Tom Allen, the uh, coach of IU football as well. Uh, certainly did not lose his job this year, as we we talked about on Wednesday's show with with uh, about Gus Malzahn. And uh, we'll talk about the replacements on that. And there's a, a, a another big topic happening today. Obviously, Notre Dame and Clemson going on. And, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a tuffle there. A little bit of uh, – uh, we should have loaded Guns and Roses or something. Uh, so we'll talk about that also. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and, and Rick's chiming in on the Facebook Live, and I know you can't hear him on the radio right now. My name's Tom Marcus, El Presidente. Also at 1030, Ed Kratz has got another gig going on. He's got some stuff going on with the Eagles. But Matt Hicks is going to join us. And Scott Lamb, I think, is going to stick around uh, with us for just as, as long as he can, as he possibly can. My name's, uh, yeah, my name's Tom Marcus, El Presidente. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know my name. <laughs> I forgot my name. And we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network.
The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. You're feeling strong, my friend. Call me Elf one more time. He's an angry elf. Look at you! Ow! Hey! I wasn't ready for that. from Elf and Angry Elf. Nobody bites. <laughs> hey, you're an Angry Elf. Are you an Angry Elf this week? Uh, Rick, we'll start with you. Rick Riggin, let's talk a little bit about Ohio State and Clemson. 
What's going on? It ain't all roses. Or maybe it will be. Who knows? I might be angry. Uh, you want to talk Notre Dame, Clemson, or Ohio State? Because you said both. <laughs> I meant Ohio State is what I meant to start out with. But let's start with Notre Dame. Is I, All right, let's start over. Notre Dame, Clemson, because they're the ones playing. We're going to get on, into Ohio State here in just a minute. But I know what, that's our time. Show so we're we're on the same page. Go right ahead. Yeah, the, the only game with the, all the drama because uh, it Notre Dame, I guess, you know, for half the country can see uh, can get blown out in this game. If that happens, uh, the, the committee still let them in the playoff, and that is really the only drama surrounding the playoffs I see. Because I don't see anything happening with Ohio State Northwestern other than Ohio State winning by at least three, four touchdowns. Uh, Bama is just going to smack Florida. But if Clemson wins in a blowout in a straight-up boat race against Notre Dame, what happens to Notre Dame? Are they going to fall out? Are they going to give A&M the nod uh, and put them at five? Uh, I still say Notre Dame gets in because uh, Notre Dame is, let's face it, in college football, the largest fan base. And nobody's going to want to watch that Alabama and A&M matchup in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, these TV executives also have a hand in picking these four teams. Don't uh, think otherwise because they do, because it's all ratings, it's all money. Everybody wants, wants to watch uh, Alabama and Notre Dame or Alabama, Ohio State, or you know these top four teams that are these elite teams that are in right now. Nobody wants to watch Bama beat up on A&M again for another four touchdowns you know, like they did the first time around. So uh, I still think in a, whatever the committee deems is a pullout, I don't know what number is, but if Notre Dame keeps it underneath that, uh, they're going to be in regardless. Scott Lamb, what are your thoughts? And hey, Carmen, thanks for watching us on TV today. We'd like to be a part of your Saturday morning TV. Go ahead, uh, Scott. <clears throat> so my, my thought all along was that uh, the top four is going to stay the same regardless of what happens today, except for Ohio State. They're the only ones that have their uh, rest of their season in jeopardy. Um, and then Brian Kelly opened up his mouth and decided he wanted to uh, uh, tell the committee where he thinks that game should be played. And I agree with him that why go play in the Rose Bowl in California if there's no fans? I mean, what, where's the mystique? What's the point? It's just uh, there, there's no economic boost. When they go play in Dallas, and I guarantee Dallas and Jerry Jones would open up AT&T Stadium to 75% capacity. They've done it once this year for the NFL already. I mean, they could play all the games at AT&T Stadium. Or they could split them up between the Cotton Bowl and AT&T Stadium. But if you actually have fans in attendance, you can take a high school stadium in Texas and fill it to 10,000 people, and it would look better on TV than an empty Rose Bowl. Uh, who really cares? And if California is not going to allow this stuff to happen, then why even go there? But Brian Kelly says this the day before the ACC championship game. And to me, that gives the committee a reason for Notre Dame to lose, to leave them out. If they're going to threaten boycotting, why are you going to put a team that might not show up at all? So I think he should have waited until after this game, and they're in the solid top four uh, because he did it the day before. Now I think the committee has a reason to leave Notre Dame out if they lose. And, uh, and I think you're hey, – hey, excuse me, man. I got that Saturday morning uh, non-smokers old man gag going on. Yeah, you got the bib. <laughs> got the bib. So we're going to – let's. Uh, you know, we'll be joined by Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast here in just a few minutes, about 15, 20 minutes. We're going to continue this conversation. I know, Rick, you're, you've got some work stuff to do that you're, you're not going to be able to stick around with us uh, for the 
for the full amount of time. And Scott, I know you're going to stick around, but let's kind of recap a little bit about what we talked about on uh, Wednesday during our Facebook live show. And, and that is certainly uh, Ohio state has to win. They have to beat Northwestern. If not, we're not, we're not going to be talking about any big 10 team. And, and, and I think everybody thought that by, in, I mean, as far as everybody, I mean, the powers that be in the big 10 thought that, well, if we could just get Ohio State into the Big Ten Championship, this whole thing is about getting the, a, the representation in the Big Ten in the playoffs. Well, it may have backfired on them. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts? Backfired how? How do you mean? Uh, because if Northwestern beats Ohio State, there's no representation in, in the uh, college football playoff uh, by the Big Ten. I, I, I don't, I don't see that happening at all. It's, it's going to be kind of a cakewalk, I, I think, for Ohio State today. So I don't think there's any problems there. Uh, it's just lack of games and their schedule really is why I believe they shouldn't even be allowed in in the first place. Uh, there are other teams a lot better, play more games, a lot better bodies of work than what Ohio State has. So uh, with the talent Ohio State has to build, yeah, I guess they're one of the four best teams, top four teams. But, I mean, they have they put in half the work as, like, a lot of the other teams in the country. And a lot of the other teams have better wins, better resumes to, to go off of. So, for that, and plus there needs to be consequences to Big Ten leadership, right, for canceling half the season. Um, so, they can have a Big Ten title game. But then they shouldn't be allowed in any other postseason after that anyway. There's got to be consequences for uh the LSU Florida game is a perfect example of that. Why six games isn't enough to determine who are the best four teams? Because we saw LSU beat Florida. That's a perfect example why six games isn't enough. So with that, all that being said, Ohio State shouldn't even have a chance to be in the top four. Well, and and here's the thing. I mean, here's the thing. They changed their rules. They said that uh, that there had to be six games. Ohio State didn't make it to six games, and they changed the rules. It's your turn, Scott Lamb. What up? Yeah, uh, you know, Rick mentioned, you know, consequences for the Big Ten. It's just more for canceling half their season. It's more than that. They should have played their spring season against the Pac-12, against the Mountain West, against the MAC. Uh, they, they should have stuck with that game. Instead, they decided they wanted to join the party. Uh, and I hope a lot of Ohio State loses, and they don't get a team in. Uh, right. What's going to what will end up happening if they do lose is we're going to get one or two things happening for the first time ever with the, with the committee. They're either going to put a two-loss team in from the SEC or they're going to have an undefeated group of five in there. And what I would see is going to happen, and it's going to, I mean, I'm not going to like it at all, is they're going to put a two-loss SEC team in there. And I understand it because the SEC played a full 10-11 game schedule in conference against each other. That's a brutal schedule. But you look at a team like A&M, they have one uh, marquee win, and that's against Florida. You look at someone like Florida, and their marquee wins are Auburn and Missouri. Uh, two teams that struggle to be 500 in a 10 game season. Um, but that's what they're going to do is they're going to put a two loss SEC team in. All right, guys, let's talk about chaos. We like to talk about chaos, chaos all the time on this show. And so we're going to root for chaos. It is what it is. And then part of that chaos that we're just, we're just talking about, and that is Northwestern uh, beating Ohio State. Uh, that's pretty much the, the biggest scenario, biggest chaos. But we've got another big game today going on, or, uh, uh, yeah, today, and that is uh, Alabama and Florida in the SEC championship. If Florida loses, 
what kind – I mean, if Florida wins and Alabama loses, um, Rick, what kind of implications, if any, is that going to play in on the uh, on the uh, college football? Because no matter what, Alabama's going to be in. Uh Going off what Scott said about the two losses of the SEC team or non group of five, if Clemson loses again today, they'll have two losses against Notre Dame. Uh, the committee probably look at them too and compare them against AM and Cincinnati or whatever. So Clemson could actually still get in if Ohio State loses today. Go ahead, Scott. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, Clemson with two losses to, to Notre Dame, I don't think they want to. Because if Clemson beats or Notre Dame beats Clemson for the second time, they might jump up to the one spot. So then you're looking at one versus next year. A third game, Notre Dame Clemson would. I mean, are they really going to put that in there? I don't think. I think the committee was right. That's like other thing. A&M versus Notre Dame instead of an A&M versus Alabama. Well, let's go ahead and let's uh, get back to. We're talking about some chaos in possibly or probably or. What's that? I didn't hear you, Rick. Go ahead. What'd you say? Rick <laughs> I can't hear him in my ears either, so is this a good time to talk about him? So do you still see me now? I can see and hear you now. Alright. You're as ugly as ever. All right. I didn't hear the last words you said. What'd you say? <laughs> no. No more. No more monsters for you. Impossibly, pro- impossibly, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Notre Dame is going to be in. the The Irish have never lost a conference game coming into the season. By virtue of never played, uh, have never played one. Oh, oh, that's wait, 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 Rick. Oh, that's right. They, they never played one. That's that's still true, even winning nine games against a ACC competition. <laughs> Granted, the, the Irish, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just uh, uh, bugging at you a little bit. But the Irish will probably get the number two seed if they uh, complete this sweep of Clemson today. They might get a number one seed if Alabama stumbles, but there's going to be a strong case. Barring a complete embarrassment in the ACC title game, a one-loss Notre Dame game with victory over Clemson will earn a semifinal berth ahead of Texas A&M in the mix. And, and, and remember I told you on Wednesday here on the Facebook Live that to, to keep an eye, to keep an eye on, uh, uh, I'm going to play the, the weatherman, keep an eye out west there because there's a storm of brewing out west. Keep your eye on that Texas A&M. And we might see that storm front come this far as quick as today. The Tigers have won five ACC championships in a row. And knocking off an unbeaten Notre Dame would make a half a dozen and should lock off a a playoff berth. However, there's still a path for that storm to make its way here. Rick Riggin, what say you? Are you going to get swept away by the storm? Is Ohio State going to get swept away by the storm? Or is there just no storm at all? There's no storm unless Notre Dame gets embarrassed. A&M is going to go out and try to beat Tennessee by 100 today to look better in the committee's eyes. 
they still have the worst loss out of anybody in the top five. So uh, there's really not much of a school to talk about unless Notre Dame gets clapped, all right? And they cannot let that happen. If you watch Notre Dame play, you can't see them getting destroyed by Clemson today. But like I've said a couple other times on the show now, I have seen Notre Dame play uncharacteristically, not show up for games. This is not the game to do that in because Clemson has all their pimps back for this game. And, uh, you know, so, you know, they got all their defensive starters that were out in the first time. You know, Trevor Lawrence is back. You know, they, they got everybody they want now to play against Notre Dame. So we're going to see truly head-to-head when Notre Dame stacks up again. We have five minutes left here on our Facebook Live thing, and we're going to only be doing this. Are, are we doing it for a full hour, or are we doing it for I thought we were doing it for a half hour when Rick dropped out. Cause so that, that, I, I'm just one of, of three heads here. I got you, Tom. That's fine. So let me jump in about this A&M thing. I think they're linked up. Uh, there is no way that they're getting it. If Alabama beats Florida, that means A&M's marquee win is against a three-loss Florida team. And their only other game that they played that would have looked good on the resume, they lost by 28 to Alabama. If Alabama beats Florida, A&M drops. They don't they, Yes, they do not move from five to four if Alabama beats four. They're just that LSU game hurt. That LSU game hurt. You cannot argue for A&M to move up when their only win is against a three-loss Florida team. Well, we'll see what happens here today. And really, certainly everything is going to be talked about with with Ohio State in the scenarios that go on there. And and I didn't hear back from uh, Adam, so I'm sure he's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, But – I tell you what, Ohio State's got a way to get in. And, I mean, that's really what it, what it amounts to, whether or not they end up with a, as a number three, which is highly unlikely. Um, I, I tell you what, though, the Aggies closed the season in Tennessee, and, and I, I know our social media director, Melissa, may not like me saying this, but they could use uh, all, uh, all the, the points they can muster. And I think that uh, Tennessee is not – playing up to his strength recently. So a win against uh, Tennessee and a Florida win and a uh, Notre Dame loss um, and a Ohio State loss, that that paves the road, guys, for Texas A&M getting in in the number four seed, Rick. Because Tennessee ain't nothing more than a class four eight kind of powerhouse if we play high school football. Uh, <laughs> you're a first-time head coach. And, She's wearing her Vols hat, man. Look out. Yeah, so, you know, they're, they're going to smack that 4A powerhouse down there in Knoxville. So, uh, if this ain't the Phil Tennessee anymore, that, them days are long gone. This is the Jeremy Pruitt Tennessee that's going to lose this game by about 30 points. So, so, that goes exactly to what I'm saying. That's the first domino that has to fall. Uh, Texas A&M has to win. Ohio State has to lose. Clem, uh, uh, Notre Dame has to get embarrassed. There's that path. Yeah. Well, the, the problem is that if, if Florida loses, we know that A&M can't get in. If Florida wins, Alabama doesn't drop worse than number four. So there's no way for A&M to take an SEC. Unless, unless, Notre, Dame, unless Notre Dame gets completely embarrassed by Clemson. If Clemson loses, that's a – an opening for another team, and I think that other team is going to be Iowa State if they beat Oklahoma. I think Iowa State would leapfrog A&M, and they would get in with a Ohio State loss, Clemson 
loss. Iowa State's in there. All right, guys, we're making an executive decision here uh, right after uh, this here. We'll get done with this conversation here and go into commercial break. We're going to be ending the Facebook Live. There's a lot of reasons for that, but we want to make sure that we have our audience over on Blog Talk. Go to Blog Talk Radio. We'll have that up on on Facebook as well. And I know Rick has to balance because he's got some work obligations. Um, he just doesn't like the salary that I pay him uh, to be on the show. I, <laughs> I get it, man. I totally get it. <laughs> Hey, that's more than I'm paying myself. Hey, I will jump in, though, and say just look what the committee done, has done when teams have lost. When Clemson lost to Notre Dame the first time, they only dropped two spots and went from one to three, okay? Uh, <coughs> that's an embarrassment of the loss to LSU. They dropped one spot. But Notre Dame loses today. The committee's not dropping them three spots out of the top four. Uh, just, if you just face off the history of what the committee's done so far, there's no way. I mean, I, I don't know what the blowout number needs to be for them to drop out of the top four, but uh, let's just look at the history of what the committee's done for dropping teams that lose. So, one spot before you're not, you're not putting a two-loss team ahead of Notre Dame, and right. A&M is, doesn't have a better resume than Notre Dame. So, I think we could completely agree that no matter what happens by the end of the day, uh, we're going to have the same controversy about the committee one way or the other. We're going to have... Some sides that say this should happen and some sides say that should happen. The only answer to that is we leapfrog 16s and go right into 18s. What do you say, Rick, next year? Well, I was reading a comment on Facebook as the uh, producer of the list of tell me to stop this with my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. She's throwing shoes and everything else at us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Great game last week between the service academies, and, and all three of us have a, a very special heart to, toward the veterans. And uh, somehow Scott Lamb ended up being the host, but don't don't mess with all that. Right, <laughs> Scott, you don't have the controls. I don't know how that happened, man. But, but, but here's the thing: we had, we as we saw. Well, I want to say a really good game, but I mean, it was very much a defensive game last week. Army Navy certainly one of the classic games of all time. Uh, Army came back to score significantly, but they didn't. There was really no action. There was really no action on the battlefield, if you will, until late into the fourth quarter uh, when Navy just kind of got choked. But I tell you what, and, and Rick, you're an Air Force veteran, and so you're, I know you're rooting the Falcons. You got your little uh, flag there. You could go ahead and fly that now. But can Air Force really start, stop the run? Maybe. It, 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 it stopped uh, uh, Navy's offense uh, to just 90 yards on the ground and and a 40 to seven win early back in October. The linebackers are fantastic. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of air support, if you will, <laughs> with Air Force. Uh, but uh, can Army can Army start the run? The answer is yes. And that's one of the fun things I like watching about these service academies. You go either way. There there is no bad pick here. Let's go ahead and we'll start with you, uh, Rick. Uh, Army Air Force today. What are your thoughts? Navy's down this year. I, I, I will say that. I mean, they're not as good as they have been recently. Uh, this year's kind of like a, I don't know, reloading year for them. If you don't want to rebuilding, 
But uh, <laughs> a lot better games. That would be fifteen nothing like that Army Navy game last week. This was for the Commanders and Chiefs trophy. It wasn't fifteen nothing. I think Navy had a field goal. Did they? Wasn't it fifteen to three or fifteen to seven or? <laughs> it was a shutout. That is true. So yeah, there's Army. I can see Army winning this game. I'm picking Air Force. They're not going to shut out Air Force. Air Force actually has a pretty decent offense. Uh, Navy is really banged up. They're on the with the third quarterback last last week. So uh, it's going to be a lot better game, a lot tougher game. And uh, I know there's bragging rights to all the academies to win, but this is actually for the Commanders Chiefs Trophy. So it's that extra level. So I'm going to take Air Force today in the close game. All right, guys, final comments here on Facebook Live before we got to move uh, on uh, finish off uh, the next hour and a half, 90 minutes over on Blog Talk. Go over there and join us. The link will be posted right here on the Facebook page so that you can listen to us live. Scott, you have the last words, and then we got to go right into a commercial break. Well, I'm going to jump in on the Army Air Force game. Navy has completed the Army. They scored seven points combined against the other two. Um, and Army's defense is for real. And Army's an underdog at home by two and a half to Air Force. And I think Army takes it this year. The Navy 2 Army team with a solid defense played Cincinnati well uh, earlier in the season. I like Army to win this game. All right, guys, that's it on Facebook. We're out of here. Uh, you can follow Rick at, at Riggin underscore Rick. You can see his, his name right there. Scott will be over on the on the Blog Talk radio show with us. Join us. The link is right there on Facebook. Go right ahead real quickly. Go ahead, Rick, real quickly. What? Oh, I thought you had something to say. You were raising your hand. So. No, no, no. I was pointing my ass. Oh, I got you. <laughs> All right, guys, on Facebook, we're out of here. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. Deuces. Join us on over on the radio show. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance.
for more unbelievable God. live that we did for the first ha- half hour. We're not going to do it for the full two hours that we did last week. That was a little bit uh, of a task. So we're just going to keep things simple. We do our half an hour show every Wednesday night and the college football recap. Join us now, though. Scott Lamb is the carryover uh, from the Facebook Live into the show here. Rick had to bounce for work, but also Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Tony, are you ready for Christmas, sir? Uh, something along those lines, uh, you know, <laughs> you go into the stores and you know it's coming and then it always seems to sneak up on you. But, yeah, looking forward to uh, spending some time with some family, as I'm sure you guys all are as well. Well, I, I can tell you what, Amazon has always been my friend at Christmas, but this year particularly, Amazon's been a really – I think Amazon has probably made – I don't know this to be fact, but you – that Amazon and Zoom has made a, a butt ton of money uh, this year. Uh, I mean, take, I won't say take advantage of a circumstance, but it is it is what it is. Uh, Scott Lamb, are you ready for Christmas? I know you said you went to the mall yesterday. Yeah, I, I am done. I did my, all my did all my Amazon stuff early and went and got some last second stuff yesterday, so I don't have to fight the crowd over the next week. I'm done. No stress. Christmas is over. <laughs> we want 2020 uh, to be over. That's for sure. Let's, Scott, I mean, now Rick, let's go ahead. I mean, Tony, let's, I, I'll get the name straight. It's okay. I, I feel like my mom. I, there were six kids in my family. Name them all. So you kid, I'm right. Uh, Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast joined us. We were just over on Facebook and in our, in the first half hour, we were just talking about the college football scenarios. So, so let's leap right into this with the Ohio state scenario. We, we were trying, or at least I was trying to uh, play the weatherman and say, keep your eye on the storm out West headed this way. There is still a path for Texas A&M, and there is that path to happen. And maybe it's a very slim path, uh, but we got uh, Northwestern, first of all, has to take care of business over Ohio State. Clemson has to win Bears uh, uh, and Notre Dame, and, and Florida has to beat Alabama. Those are all a what I think is a definitive path, and I know, Scott, you, you, you gave your opinion on it, but uh, Tony, is there a path for Texas A&M to get into the college football championship? And if so, do you think that the Big Ten kind of embarrassed themselves all along this year? Um, I, I wouldn't say the Big Ten embarrassed themselves. You know, they, they've had some good storylines. Uh, you as one of them. Um, the only way Texas A&M is getting in, I think, is, is pretty simple. It's the fact that Ohio State would have to lose to Northwestern, and then Texas A&M could move into that final spot. I think Alabama, regardless of what happens today against Florida, they're in. I think Notre Dame, regardless of what happens today against Clemson, is in. And if Clemson were to win, that gets them in. If Notre Dame beats Clemson, then you kind of open up some spots, uh, and you might see some movement. So uh, I would give it probably a 20% chance at Texas A&M. Uh, gets in, but again, you look at the games last night, and they weren't on the national, they weren't on the top five scale as what we'll see today. But 
Marshall gets upset um, at home to UAB. Oregon wins the Pac-12 championship game, and Ball State pulls the upset in the MAC championship game against Buffalo. So anything can happen. Um, but I, but I think at the end of the day, Notre Dame's locked, Alabama's locked, and I I still think if Ohio State loses, they're still in. I I, I don't. But again. You look at what the committee always looks at, and the SEC always seems to be, you know, that that number one conference. And they're going to look, oh, we'll think about strength of schedule, yada yada yada. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But again, Ohio State, all you got to do is win, and you're in. And I think they'll try to. I think they'll win today, and I think they'll win handily. I don't think they're going to, they're going to, they're going to get involved in a close game today. I think this is going to be a, a blowout coming up here. What the kickoffs in a little over two and a half hours. Are there are there fans allowed downtown there? I've been kind of caught up in some other stuff, and I hadn't seen the latest on that. Does, no no fans, which is crazy because the Colts will allow fans in. But um, to quickly flip the script on you, it was interesting. Last night, Loyola played downtown against the Richmond Spiders, two, two, two tournament teams. They played that game at the convention With fans. in Annapolis. A lot of people didn't really know about that, and it was kind of – has to go, okay, can we broadcast, how do we set this up, and how many courts can we get into the convention center, um, just to see what it would look like as, you know, they turn to bringing the entire NCAA tournament to the city of Indianapolis inside of a bubble. Which goes to what we we talked about when it comes to the NCAA basketball uh, uh, playoffs and March Madness, which we we can talk about that here in a second. But go ahead, uh, uh, Rick. What do you, any more final thoughts on the college football uh, playoffs? Let's get into some of these uh, coaching changes that are going on right now. Yeah, my I guess a last thought on the uh, on the playoff is I just I again I think A and M's a lame duck. Uh, if Florida loses, that hurts their resume. If Florida wins, uh, I think Alabama only drops to four. I think Iowa State's got a better opportunity to get in than A and M does. I think Iowa State leapfrogs them with the Big 12 championship. All right, guys, let's get into this coaching changes. As one of the biggest uh, coaching changes that we've been talking about all along, we saw that uh, we thought that Jim Harbaugh was was done in Michigan. That's clearly not the case. Uh, we thought that Tom Herman was done in Texas. That's clearly not the case. But what really did happen uh, this week was uh, well, Auburn fired uh, uh, Gusman and one of the names to be talked about is Kevin Still. And, and tell me where this, and that's the defensive coordinator, for those that don't know, with Auburn. And, and maybe that's not who gets the job. I mean, I know we've talked about Freeze and other, other people, but where does it make sense to do a $10 million buyout, which is probably paid by boosters, granted, but where does it make sense to do that buyout and turn around and hire a subordinate of the person you just fired, Tony? Where does that make any sense at all? I mean, there must have been more things going on in the locker room that we didn't really know about. You never know if there's a disconnect between the coaching staff um, or the head coach and the coaching staff or the head coach and uh, what in the NFL would be called the front office, but the athletic department down at Auburn. Um, you know, Auburn's a winning team, and they want to get back to their winning traditions and get back to those national championship days, you know, of, of, of old. And, and it's tough to compete every year in the SEC when you've got – the likes of Alabama always inside of that top four. You've got teams like Texas A&M making strides into the right direction. Um, under Jimbo Fisher, you've got, you know, Florida, who is he has a Heisman-type quarterback and a Heisman-type um, tight end right now. So, um, you know, and, and, and LSU, you know, look, look, LSU's not very good this year. They lost, what, 22 starters from last year, something along those lines. 
so you knew it was going to be a down year. And a national championship buys you probably three to four years. But, you know, if Ed Ogeron struggles at LSU the next couple of years, we're going to be talking about him in the same boat. Tom, you still there? Well, I think we've lost time. I'm still here. You and I can well, talk, I guess. Well, okay. Well, well, let me jump in on that. So, uh, you know, that SEC West is brutal. You know, you mentioned Alabama. You mentioned LSU. Uh, but Ole Miss right there was Lane Kiffin, too. Uh, you know, they're competitive in that division. Who wants to go take that Auburn job against those other four teams? Uh, Auburn was about right where they were supposed to be. I, I'm still surprised that they fired him. Uh, the only th- way that it makes sense to do an in-house hiring is because of the buyout and because they don't have, I don't think they can go and justify doing a big name hire and pay someone $30, $40 million contract over the next six, seven years when they're having that buyout right now. It's just, it doesn't make any sense for, and, and who wants to go to Auburn right now and compete with Alabama, compete with A&M, compete with LSU and Ole Miss. I just, I just don't know. Yeah, we could talk about the Big Ten, too, but look at what IU has done. I mean, you, you talk about when it comes to the coaching, they're the – we saw the players kind of go to bad for Tom Allen the last couple of weeks. He's a guy that, that people love to play for. Now they're set up to find themselves, you know, taking on Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. And last year, you know, they made a bowl game, Music City Bowl. You take on Tennessee, that's great. And But then taking a huge step in that direction in the Big Ten is tough. What have you been your thoughts so far and what IU's been able to show and how do they match up against Oregon coming up in the Fiesta Bowl in a couple of weeks? Man, that's you know, it's a, it's that's a great bowl for them to get into. Uh, and with, with Tom Allen there under the helm, what really, uh, really hurts that situation is losing Penix. Because I think with Penix, mm-hmm. they, they win that game, and they might still win the game. Because uh, Oregon's, you know, Oregon's barely a 500 team in the Pac-12. They had a great win yesterday, but I think that just shows how much overrated USC was, and that the committee wanted to see USC get into that top 10 with the win and be a, pack, a undefeated Pac-12 champion. Uh, but Man, IU in in the Fiesta Bowl is going to be great, but it's gonna it's gonna be a struggle without Penix. Now their defense is going to keep them in the game, and they are going to have an opportunity to win. Uh, but it'd be nice to have Penix in there and let him go win a Fiesta Bowl by like twenty points. Okay, guys, can you hear me now? I, I dropped off for some uh, odd reason. Uh, Whatever is happening with uh, my internet here, but can you all hear me now just fine? Yeah, we got you. Yeah. All right, Roger that. So uh, let's go ahead and go with these these coaching uh, scenarios. I, I, let's start with you, Tony. What are your thoughts? Why did why do you think that Jim Harbaugh decided after all this talk that we had about Jim Harbaugh not being a a part of the Big Ten or being a part of the Michigan um, program? What what changed? Yeah, I just feel like especially in the Big Ten and all the cancellations that a lot of these coaches. Um, kind of bought themselves some time because of COVID. You know, there, if, if there's, like we've talked about, if there's good that's came out of COVID, I mean, there's a, it's, it's bought some coaches an extra year or two with transfer portal, with, with guys staying, guys opting out. I think it's kind of, kind of allowed these coaches to maybe have one more year. We talked about maybe that's a good thing coming out of COVID. Another thing has just been the chaos of what, uh, you know, is going to happen. Are they going to move the Rose Bowl out of the college football playoff, that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, I didn't think we talked about Harbaugh and Michigan too much. I mean, I, I honestly, personally think it's, I think it's an overdrawn story. I think we just keep talking about it for nothing. He's going to stay there until he doesn't want to be there anymore. And in a year from now, as you said, Michigan went eight and four and went to the went to the Citrus Bowl and they kept Jim Harbaugh. I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, he just seems to be the uh, the golden child of Michigan and they they love him there. So um, and, and until that changes, he's 
he's he's always going to be there, I guess. We're talking with Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast. Scott Lamb is joining us as well. We're talking some college football, and we're been, been talking about the college football playoffs. Uh, but we're kind of moving on over here to the coaches' hot seat for 2020. And and uh, Tony makes a valid point, and maybe there's a, a pass that's given to a lot of these coaches. Uh, but uh, uh, Scott, why do you think that that uh, both Jim Harbaugh and Tom Herman, two of the biggest names that we thought were going to make a move this or that we're going to be forced to make a move, worded that way, uh, didn't happen. Uh, Scott? No, it's the, it's the same thing. It's a COVID season. Uh, there's all kinds of variables. And, I, and with speaking of hardball, you know, he loves Michigan. He wants to make Michigan a winner. And Michigan feels the same way about him. I, that's his dream job. There's nothing else that's going to motivate hardball to leave and go do something else, especially in the college football ranks, unless he wanted to go back to the NFL. Uh, I think the timing of it is all poor. If they would have came out two weeks ago, they might have had a better national signing day because they ended up losing three top 300 uh, recruits uh, because of the uncertainty with Jim Harbaugh. So if they would have came out and said Harbaugh is going to be back next year, they might have done a little better in the recruiting and uh, not lost so many recruits. Uh, with Texas, Texas is a top 20 team. Uh, they're they're six and three. Uh, it's a solid season again under the COVID restrictions. I mean, who are you going to go out and replace Tom Herman with right now? Uh, they, the Urban Meyer rumors were there, but I don't think Urban Meyer was ever interested in the position. Uh, that was just kind of a pipe dream for Texas. Uh, and I, I think Herman's the right guy for the job. They they went six and three in the Big 12. Uh, it's a solid season for them. But guys, let's go through some of these other uh, names here, big names that are on the hot seat, or at least we think might be on the hot seat. And we'll start with you, uh, Tony. Scott Frost up in Nebraska. Um, I think, we, we again, we're going to have this conversation that he's staying there. I think that was the last that I heard, but I, I haven't heard any official statement. Uh, Scott Frost in, in Nebraska there, uh, Tony. Yeah, I mean, it's the same situation that, that Scott just talked about. You know, you, you buy some of these guys out, and all of a sudden there's, 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 a, there's so much money tied up into him, you kind of just have to elevate somebody. Or sometimes you got to look in the mirror and say, is the grass greener on the other side? You know, we've got these restrictions that Scott just talked about. You know, and, 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 and I think in the interview process, yeah, you can do this stuff over Zoom, but you really want to get a feel of, of what that guy's like in person and the energy that he brings, you know, to the table and into a room. Can he command a room? And, and that's something that you might not be able to get done right now with all these restrictions. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of these teams just look in the mirror of these universities and say, okay, how much better off can we be or can we get worse? Do we want to take a risk? We know what we have right here, you know, in our own building, in our own facilities. Can we keep that and elevate that? So um, I just think sometimes in this, in this day and age right now where we are, you just got to stop and think, okay, do we really want to bring another coach in here and maybe dive deeper into a hole for the next four years or let Scott Frost or let some of these guys play it out with some of their players that are still, you know, in that locker room that, they, that he brought in from a recruiting standpoint. Well, we were poking a little fun earlier with Tennessee uh, playing today, uh, but uh, certainly uh, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, Scott, uh, and, uh, and I know that uh, we're going to get in some hot water here with our producer and social media director, Melissa. She's actually wearing her Vols hat during this show, and she had to go have a COVID test before the show, and she wore her Vols hat. But... <laughs> I mean, Jeremy Pruitt, does he really stay at Tennessee? Well, it, I think it goes back to who you're going to replace him with. Uh, Tennessee has not had luck with uh, with coaches, you know, and since 
since Schumer or since Fulmer left, you know, what, 20 years ago now or 15 years ago. Uh, and Tennessee is just not the, uh, just, they're just not the same team that they were back in the late nineties. Uh, you know, when you had Peyton Manning there and, uh, you know, and then a couple of decades prior to that, while Fulmer just ran that program. Uh, I mean, you look at them now, they're not only are they behind Georgia and Florida, they're behind Missouri and Kentucky now. Uh, they're just a bottom third in the SEC East, which is the weaker division. Uh, who wants to go and take that job? Well, I'm probably going to get knocked off of uh, Melissa's Christmas card list. Uh, but, uh, Tony, is there any chance in the world here that Texas A&M loses to Tennessee today? No. I, I mean, I don't think so. And I think Texas A&M is going to go into this game looking to lay the beat down on them because – what what's what's going to be fresh in the committee's mouth? And if, if somebody loses in that top four and 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 plays themselves out, Texas A and M. Well, what'd you do? Well, maybe Texas A and M isn't as good as we thought they were because they struggled with Tennessee. No, Texas A and M is going to go in. I expect a three touchdown win, maybe even more. Um, but I, I I think I just checked. I think I think Tennessee is already down fourteen nothing. Hey Scott, I just heard in my ears from Melissa that you're right. But uh, hell have no fury like that of a woman. So let's move on. <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, I tell you what, though, I, I'm disappointed with with IU. I was really looking forward to. I mean, granted, they they weren't going anywhere as far as the playoffs goes. And let me ask you this though, Tony. I know I put, put the homer card on here for me. We were counting on this Oak and Bucket game last night, uh, yesterday. They canceled it yet again earlier on in the week because of COVID. And, and so how is that going to play into the bowl selection for IU? And Tom Allen, I thought I think he got the Big Ten Coach of the Year, but he did get Coach of the Year award from somebody. But but they deserve to be in a decent bowl. IU does. Yeah, we kind of talked about this when you got disconnected a, a few minutes ago. You okay, look at sorry. what IU going to do. They're going to end up in the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. Um, and, and we talked about Tom Allen being, you know, that a lot of these, a lot of these places, as we've mentioned, have all these, the only thing that I use concern about is, is will Tom Allen go take another job? But I think Tom Allen looks at IU and says, okay, I can compete in the big 10. We can play with Ohio state. We learned that a few weeks ago. You look at the rest. I mean, Wisconsin, not impressive. Northwestern's in the championship game, but they haven't been impressive. Michigan down Michigan state hasn't been a good team in two or three years. And Tom Allen's probably looking at IU going, I can compete for these big-time bowl games, and maybe we can get over that hump and beat in Ohio State, and things change when, when we're back to normalcy. But they really thrive. And, and how do you thrive in – you have to have a coach that's solid, that, that's not going to go anywhere, that can motivate you, that can get you to where you need to go. And I think that's what Tom Allen has done, and it's going to be one heck of a bowl game um, when they play in the Fiesta Bowl when Oregon comes to town. Because as, as this guy and I talked about, Oregon's – not been that great and impressive and really per usual the Pac-12 is is, is is underwhelming and kind of overrated to be honest with you so I think IU's got a really good chance to win the Fiesta Bowl. Got just a few minutes left here uh, we got Kent Sterling coming up from KentSterling.com coming up here at the top of the hour uh, and we'll continue some of these homework card conversations but Scott uh, not necessarily a homework card for me obviously not but produced Jeff Brom we a couple of years ago we thought man this thing is the hot we, 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 we were sending him off to the pros after pretty much one year but now Jeff Brom 
I think it's, it's really in your top ten as far as, as, far as hot seats go. Uh, Scott, what do you think uh, Jeff Brom at Purdue? Yeah, you know, and I would put Purdue in the same boat as IU in trying to uh, establish something football-wise. These are perennial basketball schools going – I mean, for IU, for instance, going back 75 years, we've never talked about IU football the way we've been talking about them in the last two months uh, this year. Um, and, you know, talk about Tom Allen, you know, first off is, is he, will he stay? IU can keep him, but, you know, talking about a basketball school, they got to upgrade those football facilities if you want to recruit and keep Tom Allen around. Tom Allen's an, IU, an Indiana guy. He doesn't want to go anywhere, but uh, those other schools are going to be coming, calling. Uh, Auburn might be coming to call, you know, and that could be enticing for him to go down to one of those schools that you got a 100,000-seat stadium, you got top-of-the-line facilities, so IU is going to have to make some upgrades if they want to keep their program going. Uh, Purdue, they're they're never going to have that football atmosphere uh, that some of the other big big name uh, schools are going to have. Uh, and I mean, they were two and fourteen this year. Uh, does he lose his job? Possibly, but you're going to replace him with a, just maybe like uh, you know a, a Mac coach or an AAC coach, someone like that. Tony, uh, Scott makes a very valid point about Tom Allen. I mean, he's got a very impressive resume right now. Again, going back to what we talked about with with, uh, Jeff Brom, a a few years ago, we were ready to send him off to the NFL. Tom Allen is very happy at IU. I don't see Auburn, per se, calling his name, but do you think that he has a resume builder that might be coming to call in to uh, build his steps up because – IU football is IU football. He did a great job there, but I think that he certainly his resume that that maybe maybe he needs to look at some other options, not for the purposes of IU because IU loves him and wants him to stay. But if he wants a bigger and brighter career as a coach, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think he could make. I mean, he's making four million at IU. That's going to go up to six, seven million here over the next couple of. Uh, of years, and you got to remember, you got to remember. I mean, this is a guy who has been all over the map coaching wise. He's been anywhere from Drake to Ole Miss to Southern Florida to IU. I, he, he's from Newcastle, so he's an Indiana boy. I think that has a lot to do with things. You could, you could settle into a nice living um, in, in Bloomington, Indiana, which is which is beautiful. Ten, ten months out of the year, you know, it's it, it's not the it's not the warm South, but you don't have to worry about hurricanes. And I, I think he's comfortable at IU. I really do. I don't know this from anything more than just my own personal opinion. I think he's comfortable there. I think he's getting paid what he what he deserves to be paid. Uh, but you also got to take a step back, and you got to say, okay, this is we don't want this to be a flash in the pan season. He's twenty four and twenty one as a coach. He's zero and two in bowls. So to play devil's advocate, and I like Tom Allen, you 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 can't get those. You got to take the rose colored glasses off. Because right now it's great, but can he sustain this over the next three or four years where he's competing for top bowls? Or is this simply a flash in the pan? I don't think it is, but I think if, if you're other schools, if you're Auburn, you, you need a guy that's a proven proven winner and a guy that uh, can come down and, and take over right away. And I'm not sure if that's Tom Allen. All right, guys, uh, final word, and I'll go to you, uh, Scott, on this. And this is just another little uh, uh, flash in the pan, if you will, and another little small rumor that's starting to get legs. Les Miles gets fired from Kansas and goes to Auburn. What are your thoughts? 
I don't even. I don't think it'd be a firing thing. They would work out some type of deal where Kansas doesn't have to give them the buyout, and maybe Auburn picks up the buyout if they want to bring Les Miles back to the SEC. And it could be a possibility. If I'm Les Miles, I'm I'm running out of Kansas, and you know my head's still head held high because you're never going to compete in football at Kansas. Uh, so if that was an opportunity, he would jump at it. Um, I just don't know if that's uh, where Auburn's trying to go, and if they're going to want to. They already gave Gus Malzone the buyout. Or do they, are they going to go and entice and spend that much money to get a less miles? It's, it's possible, but that's. I mean, it gets expensive. Tony, what are your thoughts on that rumor? Less miles to Auburn. Um. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's more likely you go down and you call up Alabama and try to interview Steve Sarkeesian. Um, yeah. The name yeah, that might pop up. There, yeah. um, but 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 Les Miles, I don't know. I mean, I know that it's Kansas, so I understand that. But like, I just feel like Les Miles has just been very underwhelming in what he's, you know, kind of done. Yeah, he had those great years at LSU, and you go to Kansas, you don't really have a, you don't really have a hope. But maybe he gets back there. But I, but I think if he's gonna if he's gonna leave Kansas, I don't, I don't know if Auburn's gonna be the the phone call that's that's bringing it that's bringing in his pocket. All right, guys, we're going to have to wrap it up and put a bow on it for, and no pun intended, uh, the the uh, show before Christmas. Again, a uh, housekeeping item. We will not be having a live show next week, so everybody can enjoy uh, Christmas. Uh, Tony, where can, find your people, can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Yeah, just find me on Twitter at Tony D. Indy, Tony D. Podcast, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, and you guys, you guys have a great Christmas season. You too, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Scott, are you sticking around with us? Uh, I can stick around for a little while. Right. Kit Sterling from KitSterling.com is going to be joining us uh, right here after the break, uh, right here on the Balance Radio Network. My name is Tom Mark Vassell, Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. And with a greasy black peel. You're a monster. Mr. Grinch, your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have termites in your smile. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. 
bum 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 Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got it's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. into the second half. Joining us now is Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Tom? Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Are you ready for Christmas? I am ready for Christmas. I'm always ready for Christmas. Every day of my life's Christmas Day, Tom, when that's I wake, right. wake up on the right side of the ground. That, that's right. And uh, thanks, uh, Scott Lamb is joining us, uh, carrying over from the first hour. In our first half hour, we simulcast on, on Facebook Live. Scott Lamb and College Football Talk. We had Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast on. Rick Reagan also. But, Scott, uh, you're, you're done with Christmas, too. You actually went to the mall. You, you said this to me earlier, and, I, and I, when you said that, I, I, I can't remember the last time I went to the mall. And that's that's the thing. So, you know. You're, you're ready to go, right? Uh, yeah, but, I, man, that traffic, I never want to do that again. So I'm, I'm, it's, it's mostly it's 90% Amazon for me, uh, but I did go to get a last <laughs> few-minute items, and that, and I'm done. No more Christmas traffic for me this year. Well, I know you live in Evansville, so I would trade the Evansville traffic more uh, over the Indianapolis traffic for the malls. I, uh, I had everything done, and I realized I, I, I bought a last-minute thing for my granddaughter because – you guys aren't grandparents yet, but once you become a grandparent, you realize. Oh no! Wait, uh, you, aren't you a grand, uh, grandfather, Kit? I am not. No. Oh, I thought you were. Okay, I thought you were. Either which way, well, once it happens, it's it's like a spell that's cast out over you. You're like, well, there's just one more thing that you get. So I had that 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 moment uh, earlier this week, and my granddaughter lives in North Carolina. My son's in the Marines, and so. I have it sent down to their house. But as you know, with Amazon, you just hit buy now and it sends it to your house. Well, that's what I did. And it was too late for me to realize it. So now I've got it. So there's one item that's going to be running going after Christmas, but that's okay. Because 
Grandpa's the coolest grandpa in the in the world. But it's not Christmas for everybody. And one of the things we'll start with you, uh, uh, Kemp. It's not Christmas for IU as it should be though. That's that's the thing. If anybody got cheated this year, 2020, it was IU and. Tom Allen, what a great coach he's. And we've talked about uh, IU football on here before, but what a great performance that he's had. And I'll let you go ahead and chime in on this. I mean, he did such a great job that that there's going to be some other schools coming now. He's making some good money down there, 3 or $4 million. Uh, obviously, you know as well as I know, Bloomington's a beautiful country t- 10 months out of the year, to quote Tony Donahue. Uh, but, I mean, sometimes money does talk. He's not going anywhere th- in the near future. But Tom Allen's did a great job. And, and to, to the one opportunity that I think we've had in a long time to basically go in as the favorite and win the Oaken Bucket, I thought we were going to have it again yesterday, and it got canceled mid midweek. I, I guess the question would be, do you think IU football got cheated out of their Christmas presents this year? Well, it depends well, on the college football playoff selection committee, right? It, it depends on what bowl they're assigned to. If they get relegated, to a non, you know, New Year's Six Bowl, then they did get cheated because they're one of the best teams in the country, one of the best 12 teams in the country. Tom, uh, Tom Allen has done a great job. You look at the results, there's no arguing with the results. I'm not exactly sure how he's done it, but he has put together a really, really good defensive backfield, one of the best in the country, and that's kind of carrying him. Even though Michael Penix Jr. gets hurt, there you go with uh, a defense that can absolutely get the job done on the defensive end, and that's kind of uh, Tom Allen's deal. I do not like that Kane Womack, the defensive coordinator, is leaving. I think he's a big deal. I think he's going to be a really good head coach. I hate to see him go because I think a lot of the defensive success is due to Kane Womack. Go ahead, Scott. What are your thoughts? Did IU get cheated on their Christmas presents this year? Um, no, I don't think so. I think the the only problem is that the Big Ten, they, they waffle the entire time. Do we play the season? Uh, what's our rules for the season? Blah, blah, blah. If if IU beats Ohio State, they control their own destiny. Uh, they've had a great game against Ohio State. They uh, showed some weaknesses there uh, of Justin Fields. But, no, I don't think they got cheated. Uh, they have a great defense. Uh, they had great skill players that allowed them to still remain competitive when Pennix went down. Uh, so Tom Allen's done a great job of keeping that team competitive at all levels. Um, but, no, I don't think they got cheated. Kent, let's talk a little bit about the Big Ten. And, and their uh, just craziness is so – trust me, there's one side of me that get it, that, that, that maybe they were right all along and not rushing into the, uh, the playoffs, uh, to, the, to the football season. But, but here's where I feel like that there was some problems. They decided later, later on in the season to start their season, and then they said, oh, uh, six-game six minimum uh, to get into uh, the Big Ten championship or whatever. And they changed that just so that they could have an Ohio State-Northwestern game. As they say, karma's a bitch. If Northwestern, if, I know that's a big if, but if Northwestern beats Ohio State, well, they, they, they screwed the pooch all the way around on getting a Big Ten showing in the college football uh, playoffs. You know, the leadership has been lacking since Jim Delaney left as the president of the Big Ten. Um, Indiana, it, this uh, it, you enact rules for a reason, right? And, and this wasn't some arbitrary rule. This was an actual rule. And the rule was actually implemented, I think, to kind of protect Ohio State 
from being a six and one, seven and one team, and and all of a sudden you got like a three and zero, four and zero kind of a Maryland or Indiana team that sneaks into the Big Ten championship because of being undefeated due to COVID. And then when all of a sudden it looked like it was going to screw Ohio State, they decided, well, we we've got to do something about this. And I do think it was wrong. I think if you're a leader and you are party to enacting a rule then you stick with that rule. I, I think that what they did was a, uh, I don't know, they, they hosed Indiana. I don't think there's any doubt. I do think that Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten, and to have a Big Ten championship without the best team is kind of ridiculous. But I, I do think that you have to kind of stand what you did, and you decide what path you're going to take, and you say, okay, that's the path we're going to take. And, and the rule that we enacted to protect Ohio State doesn't wind up protecting them. But you know what? We can't three days before that, that rule or four days before that rule is going to cause a result that we didn't intend, uh, flip it on its ear, and all of a sudden you've got a different result. I, I think that that was terrible. And I think Kevin Warren, I hope that over the last six months, he's learned a lot about leadership and he applies it to the rest of his term as the Big Ten commissioner, the Big Ten president, because what he's done over the course of the first six months has been just an absolute train wreck. And I totally agree with that. And and do you buy the social media rumors that it's time for him to go already? No, I don't. Th- and the Big Ten doesn't operate like that, so they won't they won't unring that bell. They're they're really good at unringing bells under Kevin Warren, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think that that would be that would be as big a mistake as perhaps hiring him. All right, guys, and we talked a little bit about this earlier. And Ken, get your thoughts about this. I mean, we've got some pretty big games and pretty big implications on the college football playoffs. And I've been playing the weather pro- prognosticator. If you if you watch the weatherman, they say, watch this from the west. It's coming this way. And and my my theory on that: watch Texas A&M. It's coming this way. And and it can happen because, and I know that our producer and social media director, Melissa, is wearing her Bulls hat. She's all Tennessee pride. She's doing that voluntarily. You see what I did there? But <laughs> I don't think that that's going to happen today. I think Texas A&M beats Texas. So that's the first domino that has to fall. Northwestern has to beat Ohio. Florida has to beat Alabama for that path for Texas A&M to get into the college football playoffs. Am I right on that path, or is there no storm at all? You're right about that path, but that path isn't going to occur. Ohio State is going to destroy Northwestern, and Alabama is going to pummel Florida. Florida lost to LSU, and LSU doesn't have any guys. LSU, virtually the entirety of what Ed Orgeron's got down in Baton Rouge, all the good guys, are sitting it out waiting for the draft, and uh, they still beat Florida last week. And I think that Northwestern would have got hammered by Indiana, much less Ohio State. I think both those teams are going to take care of business. And then I I think that Clemson and Notre Dame are likely both going to get in, no matter what happens uh, today in the ACC championship. Because those, you know, at, at the end of the day, Tom, this is a TV show. And the best TV show is with Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and uh, 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 who did I leave out? The uh, Clemson and Trevor Lawrence. 
So you've got the star power. You've got the guys who are usually there. You're going to have the highest ratings with those teams. I think at the end of the day, what the College Football Playoff Selection Committee does is pick the best TV show, and I think that's their job. I totally agree. Uh, uh, Scott, you're our our, – betting guy on the show and, and you kind of help us uh, what are, play the, what are the odds every week? What are the odds uh, this, this week on, and, and uh, as you get your, bring up your fan duel there, uh, who you going with this week before we get into some NFL talk? Uh, with what, with A&M and Tennessee or just like overall no, just, the top just four? Your, just your own personal advice for us, sir. Cause you're uh, our betting that, guy. Yeah, that Notre Dame-Clemson line, uh, you know, two weeks ago when it came out, I think it was around six, six and a half with Lawrence, and that thing's been bet all the way up to ten and a half, and it's starting to make some movement going back towards Notre Dame. Uh, and if we remember back to the first game, uh, Clemson could not stop Notre Dame. And other than Notre Dame having four field goals inside the 30, two of them inside the 10, uh, they, would have had, they would have blown Clemson out by 28 in that game. This is going to be a competitive game. Clemson's defense can't stop Notre Dame. Uh, and I don't know if Notre Dame can stop Clemson. I mean, I think this is going to be high scoring, back and forth. It's going to be a game in the upper 30s or 40s for both sides. Uh, it's going to be a barn burner, and I don't see 10.5 being enough, and I'm going to take the points with Notre Dame. Totally agree. Well, yeah, totally. I mean, we like to talk about chaos, and we like to root for chaos. We do this on this show every, uh, every year. Let's root for chaos. But I don't think we're going to see a lot of really extreme chaos in the college football scenario as well. All right, let's move on into the NFL. Let's start with the home card here with the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts got the Texans. Uh, and then really, as much as I like the last win that the Colts had, and, and the Colts didn't deserve to win that against the, the Texans. They actually gave it away. They actually gave it to the Texans. The Texans had it won. It, it, it was just, again, mistakes that happened. And I can assure you that those that the Texans have been watching that game footage over and over and over again in, in their sleep. And let's let's do this match that the Texans are at uh, are at the Colts, which is kind of crazy. Uh, on a side note, there, Kent, there can be fans there. There were fans last night at a high school football game downtown, but there can't be any fans in the Big Ten Championship. Where does that make any sense at all? It's the same city, for God's sake. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, it, the science is being ignored in favor of kind of kind of a shame. And, and, and that, not to go back to the college game, but you look at what uh, Brian Kelly said yesterday about participating in the Rose Bowl where family members can't even go to that big giant cavernous facility in the state of California. Uh, And, and so as a result, maybe Notre Dame doesn't accept a bid to the Rose bowl. And and that's just kind of where we are. You've got some state governments, some civic governments, some organizations that are a bit hysterical. You know, you can't tell me that a thousand people can't socially distance safely at the Rose bowl, but in California, that's kind of where we're at. Downtown, 10,000 fans are going to be at Lucas Oil Stadium tomorrow. I've been to, I think, all of the home games. I may have missed one. And, and you know, 10,000 or it's been 12,500 fans. You look around, there's nobody within 20 feet of each other. I mean, that, that is a huge place. And for fans to be able to sit and watch games, uh, I, I have not at any point felt like my safety was somehow compromised 
and and for the Big Ten not to allow anybody in the building, I think it's just kind of nutty. So uh, the Texans and the Colts uh, matchup tomorrow. Uh, Colts gotta not not be over assured here. They're 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 tied with Tennessee. I mean they're, they're in a battle with Tennessee. Tennessee has the tiebreaker, and it just seems like we can't shake Tennessee off. But it's definitely it's definitely a win that the Colts have to get over the Texans again. Yeah, th- th- that's critical. They're nine and four. The Texans are four and nine. The Texans played terrible football against the Bears last week, seven. Colts, they played well against the Raiders, probably their best overall 60 minutes of the season. The Colts are kind of finding themselves. They're getting healthier. Down in Houston, Anthony Costanzo didn't play. He was dinged up at left tackle, and so you had kind of a, an amalgam of LaRaven Clark, who's now out, and Chaz Green. Since then, if Costanzo needs to rest a couple plays or needs to get his brace back where it needs to be, they've got Quentin Nelson that they're sliding over to left tackle. Uh, DeForest Buckner is, is back. He wasn't there for the, the Texans game a couple of weeks ago. This is a Colts team that's getting healthy and a Colts team that's playing at a high level, 9-4. and four. Phillip Rivers had thrown a pick in weeks. I, I think, and, and I would disagree with you a little bit in that the Colts didn't deserve to win uh, the game two weeks ago. They, you know, the, the Colts didn't drop the snap. The Texans dropped the snap. A lot of times, Winning and losing is determined by the mistakes made by the loser, not necessarily the great plays by the winner, and that was certainly the case in Houston. I I think that the Colts are rolling. The Texans are rolling in the wrong direction. I love the Colts tomorrow. And we're going to go to you here in just a second, Scott, but real quickly, uh, Sanchez is back uh, after his cancer battle. What's all do you think, if any, that he'll contribute to tomorrow's game? Uh, and can I just tell you how much I hate pop-ups? But um, so Sanchez is back after this scary battle with cancer. Um, he, he, apparently, he practiced fully, but do we do we expect to see much uh, contribution from him tomorrow, uh, Kent? Well, I hope it's just kickoffs, right? We don't want to see him yeah. punt, Valid and uh, maybe he'll just hold. On, on extra points as the Colts run up, you know, 40-plus points, maybe six, seven touchdowns. That would be nice and no punt. But he's going to do everything. And uh, uh, he spoke to the media earlier this week and says he feels fine and is good to go. You take a guy like Rigo at his word, uh, quiet dude, but what he says you pay attention to. Scott Lamb joins us as well. Scott, talk with us a little bit about the Texans and uh, the Colts, and then we'll get to your Broncos. I know you're a Broncos guy, but go ahead. Yeah, the Colts, uh, you know, they're not going to overcome the uh, the Titans tiebreaker with a division uh, win-loss record. Uh, they just don't have a path to do that. So they, they essentially have to beat the Texans or the, the Titans uh, and surpass them in the win total. They will make the playoffs, but I don't know if they can get to the division. Uh, I mean, they're going to close the season up with the Jaguars, so that's going to be a plus, but they got to beat the Texans <clears> this week. Uh, and then they got a tough one against the Steelers, but the Colts have been competitive all year, and they can beat the Steelers, especially the way they've been playing. Uh, but right now, I think uh, both teams will finish up with 10 or 11 wins, and his tiebreaker goes to the Titans. You know, th- th- this is no secret, and, th- and I know you're a Broncos homer, and there's nothing wrong with that, but the Buffalo Bills are coming in at 10 and 3. You guys are 5 and 8, and you're posting Buffalo at home. And, and let's, let's face it, Buffalo's going to be used to that kind of element. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on the matchup between the Buffalo Bills and Broncos? I think I think the Broncos just want to say goodbye to 2020 and and, and move on. Uh, the Broncos have been really competitive all year uh, with their um, with all the injuries and the turmoil they've had. They've been competitive. The problem with this week, they they have three defense or three cornerbacks left on the roster. They got five. They've injured five or had COVID uh, five plus a suspension from Bouvier. Uh, there, it's it's a good. I don't know how you compete against the Bills with just three cornerbacks on your roster. Uh, I think Stephon Diggs has a huge game. Uh, the line's been bedded down to five and a half. But even a Broncos fan as myself, I'm going to go ahead and take Bills, and they're going to cover that spread. Well, I know this because you were on our Facebook Live earlier in the show, and you're wearing your Broncos jersey. I hope that brings you some uh, some Christmas. Uh, 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 surprises, if you will. Kent, let's go back well, to you. That was uh, that, that's a two way. It's also a Tebow jersey for Florida. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you're hoping that, that 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 Tim will come back and be a quarterback sometime. Uh, but we're well, going back to you, Kent. I, I I watched a really good game on on Thursday night with the Chargers and the Raiders. Bounce back and forth, tie, tie this, overtime, ends in overtime. It showed me that the Raiders and John Gruden, one, they paid John Gruden too much money. Uh, two, the Raiders are a, a non-conversation piece for the AFC anymore. They lost to the Chargers. They lost to the Colts. Why, and I hate to play the mainstream media card, but why can't the mainstream media just let the Raiders go? We can't stop hearing about the Raiders and their path to the playoffs. There is no path to the playoffs after Thursday night with the Raiders. No, and and that's kind of the the thing. When when I worked with ESPN, what ESPN always called itself was a research company that broadcasts sports. So when you hear about the Raiders or you hear about the Jets, that's catering or the Browns. Although the Browns much better this year, uh, but that doesn't keep them from when the Browns suck. It's still ESPN talking about the Browns. It's all about the number of viewers who are fans of those teams. So it, it's just it's a matter of and appeasing the viewers and enticing the viewers that would watch. It's it's really got nothing to do with the quality of the football uh, team. It's only right. got to do with the uh, the number of viewers that they're trying to aggregate. We're talking with Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com. Scott, I know you had to jump off. You had a kid issue, so I totally understand. No, no. No worries, Dean. You've been with us uh, for almost 90 minutes, so that's, that's, that's all good. Just a few more minutes left in this segment, and then we're going to continue our NFL talk with Matt Hicks. Uh, but let's talk about the Panthers and the Packers. I mean, the Panthers, not without Cam, I mean, without Cam Newton. Cam Newton is officially off my fantasy football uh, log, and he is uh, not doing an impressive what you would think living up to Bill Belichick's standards. He's still standing behind him, but you got to give credit to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, do we are we watching another the 2020 MVP with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I think he's been the MVP. I think that the pack because here's the way I look at it: the the Chiefs have a lot of talent. The Chiefs are a really good football team. They're much better with Patrick Mahomes, but without Mahomes, they likely go to the playoffs. They've got that much talent. The Packers without Aaron Rodgers would be a complete unholy mess. They would not be a good football team. And so I think where you talk about pure value, and that is the, you know, kind of the root word of valuable is value. 
I think Aaron Rodgers is that guy for for the NFL and for the Packers. And Patrick Mahomes might be the best player in the NFL, but I think that Aaron Rodgers is the most valuable player, despite their loss to the Colts, which was absolutely beautiful and utterly necessary for the Colts, and and really puts them in a situation where they could wind up going 11 and five and win in the AFC South in large part because they were able to dispatch the Packers. We're talking with Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com. Uh, final final word here, or final question, if you will. Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, wasn't able to be on today, but he's been on before. We talked about Carson Wentz and that path for him to come to Indianapolis after Phillip Rivers. We saw his demise with the Eagles. Does he get a rebirth here in Indianapolis, or does that even become a, a conversation? Well, I think if the Colts were at this point, let's say uh, six and seven instead of nine and four, you know, I, and Phillip Rivers, instead of throwing nine interceptions, had thrown 16. I think that that could be a reality. But I think that Frank Reich and Chris Ballard are really, really happy with Phillip Rivers. I think the Colts fans are really happy with Phillip Rivers. The ceiling for Phillip Rivers might be at a, a very specific level. He's never been to a Super Bowl. It's unlikely he's going to go for the first time at age 39 or older. Um, but you know what? He's been pretty good, and he's been a great representative of the franchise. I know everybody on West 56th Street is really happy with Phillips, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any room at the end for, for Carson Wentz. And, and nobody, I don't think, well, you know, Peterson knows him better. But I don't think that a lot of people know Carson Wentz better than uh, than Frank Reich. So I would trust Reich about it if, if I were Ballard. But at the same time, you know what? They are in love with what Phillip Rivers has done. You know, and I, 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 I mean, I was not one of those fans. But you got to admit, there were a lot of fans that were not happy about Phillip Rivers coming. Maybe they've changed their mind. But one of the things that's in the back of the mind that we do know we don't know how serious it's going to be, but maybe we have that once bitten, twice jaded, uh, or whatever with the Andrew Luck scenario. We know uh, for a fact going into the offseason that uh, Philip Rivers, one, is aged, uh, and two, he's got some, uh, 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 he's going to have to have foot surgery. That's got to weigh on the minds of, of those skeptics out there for, the, for Philip Rivers and the Colts. Well, you know what? And I was one of those guys. I looked at Philip Rivers and saw that since 2009, quarterbacked a team to double-digit wins exactly once, had gone to the playoffs once in the previous six years with the Chargers. I didn't understand where they were going to go. Yeah, I didn't think Phillip Rivers was going to get better, but that offensive line has been terrific. The way he's been able to like utilize his tools, the way Jonathan Taylor has grown, the way the tight ends, have kind of done their job. The way the wide receivers are not just catching the ball but blocking has has been terrific. This is a really good 11-man unit. And Phillip Rivers has done a good job of leading them. And and so I was wrong about the ceiling for Phillip Rivers being where at least I think I was. I don't think they're going to lose the last three games of this regular season. I thought their ceiling was 9-7 and seven and maybe missing the playoffs. But you know what? I'm happily wrong. Philip Rivers is a great guy with the media. He's a great guy in the locker room, in the quarterback room. Uh, I know that they really like. Uh, I they're gonna have they're gonna have a lot of money to spend 
this coming off season. So, you know, there are a lot of paths to go in acquiring another quarterback, but I have no idea why at this point they would, they would replate again and bring another guy in. You know, I, 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 I just think they're happy with rivers. Rivers is go He ain't going to get slower, right? There's some guys who have foot surgery and are about to turn 40 as he will in a year. And you think, man, what are we going to have with this guy? But Philip Rivers is kind of like that basketball player that's always played below the rim and just keeps rolling into right. you know his late 30s because his athletic gifts weren't what got him there in the first place. So I, I see no reason why Rivers doesn't come back, and I would be stunned if they made a play for a different quarterback. Well, we'll see what happens. Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com. What are you working on this week, sir? Well, all I do, man, is write at KentSterling.com and then breakfast with Kent every single morning on Facebook Live, Periscope, and Twitter. Uh, My YouTube channel has blown up very, very nicely uh, over the last month and a half or so as I've kind of figured out how how the YouTube sort of algorithms work and you could get your work out to more people. So that's been a good thing. Uh, but that's I'm either watching sports, talking about sports, writing about sports. It's all about sports, Tom. Well, I, I tell you what, I'm going to have to pick your brain sometime because there's there's certain parts of our audience that we're trying to we're trying to increase. Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com, the man. If you want to check out some really good work, check him out at KentSterling.com. Kent, I hope you have yourself a very merry Christmas and a happy holiday, sir. You too, Tom. Thank you very much. Hey. Uh, Kent Sterling, KentSterling.com, jumping in, talking with us some college football on the Homer card. Uh, Ed Crash, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and our official NFL contributor can't join us this week as he's got some other obligations uh, going on. As a, as a housekeeping thing, we will not have any show next week, but we do have a show this week, and coming up is the one, the only um, – the one and the only Matt Hicks is going to be joining us and, and, and talking some NFL with us as we before we wrap it up and put a bowl on. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. I'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Christmas, Christmas time is here and Christmas songs you love to hear. Thoughts of joy and hope and cheer, but mostly shopping, shopping, shopping. Christmas, Christmas time is here. The sleigh bells and the red-nosed deer. Songs and songs we love to hear, all played a thousand times each year. Heard this same song twenty times, and it's only Halloween. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Pass the ball, pass the rock. We're all 
Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Geico video. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Scott Lamb for joining us uh, in the first hour. In our first half hour, we were live on Facebook doing a simulcast on Facebook. And also Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast joined us. And we just talked with Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com. But we always say the best for last, and that's Matt Hicks. Matt, how are you doing? Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. Are you, are you ready for Christmas? Uh, insanely close, yes. We are in final preparation for Santa's visit late next well, week. Well, I was going so to ask it. you about that. I know, I know you've got some youngins, so so the so the belief in the magic is still there, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for at least a few more years. My youngest is five, so we've got we've got a few okay. more years of that uh, that uh, visit usually, coming. So it, it usually happens at at school. Hopefully your kids yeah. aren't listening and they won't ask you questions later on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, here, here's the thing. We're, we're here at the holidays. If we look at 2020. We kind of just want to say across the board, get the heck out of Dodge 2020. We're done with you for so many reasons. But we've also sure. learned a lot about us as a society and, and, and nothing political. We've just we, – we, 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 we've had a lot go on this year in 2020. And so it, I think it's going to be good and refreshing to get to 2021. I hope that we get all of this this past us. But it, it has been able, I think, enabled us to uh, at least spend more time with those that we care about. And, and so we'll, you know, look forward to 2021. So we've been kind of uh, the yeah, overall please. theme. I mean, the, the kind of the overall theme today, obviously, as we go in on Saturday and it's college football, we've got some big games and some big implications. We'll get into the NFL here in just a second. But let's play the Ohio State-Northwestern card here. First of all, it's kind of crazy that tomorrow there could be 12,000 or 10,000 fans, whatever it is, at the Texans game. We'll get into that game here in a second. Last night, though, and you're a high school football guy, uh, there was 
some high school football going on downtown with fans. Big Ten Championship today in Indianapolis. Typically, that's huge. I mean, especially for the the bar business, and it probably still will be in the hotel industry as far as people coming in. Obviously, Ohio State fans travel very, very well. Northwestern's just a couple hours away. So this would have been, in a a typical world, this would have been a great weekend. Uh, So let's talk about this. And I've been playing this uh, Big Ten card for a while now, and that Big Ten decided, well, we're not going to have our football season. No, then we are. And then, oh, well, you have to play six games. Oh, wait, that means that Ohio State's not going to be in this. I'm going to change that uh, so that Ohio State is in the Big Ten Championship because the the firm belief with the number four slot that they'll get a spot in the college football championship. I know it's a huge if, and if you're a betting guy, maybe you want to go the other direction. But if Northwestern beats Ohio State. Well, karma's a bitch. What do you think there, uh, Matt? Well, yeah, I just don't see any reality or scenario in which that takes place. Uh, Northwestern, frankly, is not very good, and they've not been very good down the stretch. They played in a division of the Big Ten, which they've got to get rid of these divisions. This is just nonsense. They just need to play a round-robin schedule that guarantees you'll play every member school once every three years and then maintain some geographic uh, rivalries that you play every year. So for example, maybe in Indiana plays Illinois and Michigan and Purdue every year. And then they rotate the rest of that schedule around because that division really, this hurts the big 10 because if we were to see if you want to argue that Indiana is the second best team in the Big Ten, I think that's a pretty easy argument to make. But number one, from a television rating standpoint, an Indiana-Ohio State rematch after the last game being a yes. seven-point game would be a much better game. I don't think, again, I don't think Indiana – Ohio State is a step above everyone else in the Big Ten. It's not close. That's why they're in the game. It's why the Big Ten did the right thing in putting them in the championship game. However – from a, from a television standpoint, you give your viewers a better game with Indiana and Ohio State. And if you're a, you're a subscriber to chaos, which I am when it comes to this college football stuff. As am I, and, right. And, and if Indiana beats Ohio State and Florida beats Alabama, and I don't think this Clemson-Notre Dame game matters, to be, to be brutally honest. I mean, these are ma- massive ifs, right? Then suddenly you've given – Either of your, you, I mean, you could make an argument for Ohio State still. I don't think um, as easily to to be in the playoff, but you have an argument for Indiana at that point to make it in. So you've given yourself a shot with two teams as opposed to one. You're right. If Northwestern wins today, Ohio State will not be in the playoff. Now, I just don't see any scenario in which Northwestern wins this game. I, I just don't. They, they well, both look great. Now, granted, the last game I watched them, they beat a bad Illinois team by a couple scores, and it, the weather played a massive factor. But uh, I'm not sold on this Northwestern team. G- good, not good enough to beat Ohio State. No, and I agree with you on, on the divisions, because if there wasn't the division issue, Ohio State and Indiana would be in the Big Ten championship. But you got to wonder, would the, would the Big Ten rather see, rather see Ohio State in the college football playoffs as opposed to Indiana, that could be, could have been a scenario if that w- would have happened. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I think about that's an interesting question. I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think the Big Ten cares who gets in the college football playoff as long as they have a school in, if you follow my logic there. I don't think yeah, it matters to them. It's, it's a check. I think the check cash is the same either way, I believe. I could be wrong no, about I, that. I know you get more say, money if you, you advance, but. I'm going to tell you what, if if because uh, everybody knows Ohio State fans and Notre Dame fans are the loudest fans in the building. <laughs> if Indiana ever got to the point of beating out Ohio State to get to the college football championship, you talk about chaos. Well, there there it is. We've That's talked chaos. about this on the show earlier, and, and our social media director and and producer Melissa is a big Tennessee volunteer fan. Uh, she volunteers to do that. You see what I did there? I tried that joke earlier, yeah, I got and I didn't quite. I didn't quite get the laugh that I wanted out of it, but no, uh, <laughs> uh, she's a big Tennessee fan. Obviously, she wants to see that happen today. Texas A&M, and, and that, there's chaos for you. Texas A&M wins mm-hmm. and just sits back and waits for Ohio State to lose, waits for Alabama to lose, waits for an, an embarrassment for Clemson. Any of those scenarios, if, right. they, if, if they beat Tennessee, uh, opens up a, a clear path for them to get into the playoffs. No, I, I think you are you are absolutely correct, and that becomes where things get really interesting because you know Alabama's going to blow out Florida. Like, that's a done deal. You would assume Ohio State beats Northwestern, but this, this Notre Dame-Clemson matchup is very interesting because if it's not close, that I believe that knocks one of them out. Um, so, in other words, the most likely scenario is this. Clemson beats Notre Dame by three scores. Does Notre Dame still make it? I don't know. I just don't know. I, I, you know, again, it's a committee. It's not a computer anything. It's just a committee that sits and talks. So maybe that committee says, well, Notre Dame, you know, more people are going to watch a Notre Dame-Alabama matchup than they're going to watch a Texas A&M-Alabama matchup. So there's our decision. And that very well in a, in a year with COVID and everything else might be the honest deciding factor. And whether that's right or wrong, that's not for us. It could be the reality. So next year, do you think they finally, after seeing all this play out this year, next year, you think we go to finally get to the point of having eight teams in the playoffs? Well, I, I do like this thing I read about adding the fifth and sixth ranked teams. Um, and doing a uh, kind of a play-in situation. I, I don't know that they go to eight. Um, it, to me, eight seems to be the number. Really, I mean, okay, like in a year like this, you look at Indiana, who's, what are they, 11th? Right. Well, first off, that's, right. a bogus, that's a bogus ranking. They should be ranked seventh or eighth, to be honest. I agree. Totally. So you're, you're, going to have, you're going to have people like that that are left out. However, is an Indiana – let's, I mean, you know, take the hat off for a second. Is an Indiana really a contender to win the national championship? No, of course not. They've had a magical year. The program is transformed. But they're not really a contender with an Alabama. I, I don't know that they couldn't hang with the other teams. Um, they obviously could, could come back and hang with Ohio State but I don't know that they're a contender to win a national championship. So that's where you get into teams like that is Iowa state, a team that's really a contender to win the national championship. I'm not so sure. So eight seems to be the number. I I don't really subscribe to the 12 or 16 team playoff. I think it's just too much, but eight, eight would make sense. I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're, they're committed to this, to this uh, four team playoff 
with the five six game being being the other you know the left out prestigious bowl of that year. This year it's the Fiesta Bowl. We're talking with Matt Hicks. He's jumping in here with us. Typically, we would have Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, on with us. He had some other obligations because uh, the Eagles are on the road against uh, the Cardinals, and so he's got some other stuff going on that he was unable to get get on with us today, and I appreciate Matt jumping in. So we'll use this time to talk about the Eagles as we normally would. Uh, the Eagles' Jalen Hurts has uh, stepped up and had a good game, if you want to call it that. Um Certainly, there's got to be some chemistry building to, to go on there uh, with, with, with Jalen Hurts, but it kind of seems like and it kind of feels like they've moved on from Carson Wentz, which is unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but as much as we like what uh, – we were just talking with uh, Ken Sterling about this. As much as we like what Phillip Rivers has been able to do this year, there, there might be the possibility – Especially with the relationship uh, that um, that Carson Wentz has with a Colts head coach Frank Reich, there might be something there more than just gossip that Carson Wentz comes to the Indianapolis Colts. Because we got to remember, uh, Philip Rivers is a 40-year-old quarterback, very good. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He did a great job here in Indianapolis. But he was only signed for one year, so I don't think they ever looked at him being passed more than one year. And this possibility with Carson Wentz is, is, could be more than just talk. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think that's possible. I, I think we, you know, for a long time would say, well, Ballard is a guy that doesn't want to give up high draft capital for a veteran. And then he goes out and does it with DeForest Buckner. So, you, you, you know, you'd have to be in the room with the scouts and, and the, um, the decision makers to, to, and Frank Reich, of course, to get their true opinion on Carson Wentz. He, Wentz had, what, about an 18-game run of playing incredibly well before injury. He has not played well after injury. Now, is it due to the injury? I don't know the answer to that. Is it due to the, la- the fact that he lost Frank Reich, his offensive coordinator, and has never been the same? That might be it, too. Um, but he looks to me, we all remember David Carr for the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz looks like is very, I don't want to use the word afraid. That's not, I don't think the guy's afraid. But I do think there is some fear to make a decision. He's, he might be, what do they used to say, uh, you know, the paralyzed uh, by analysis. He, he is the mm-hmm. most sacked quarterback in the NFL. That's an awful offensive line, but they're not – I don't know that they're the worst in the NFL to yield the most sacks. I think he is responsible for several of those by holding on to the ball. Look, again, not a great cast of weapons, but – somewhat adequate again I just I'm not sure I don't know the, the question you have to uh, ask about Carson Wentz is does he fit what you want to do here I don't know that that's the case honestly and does the coaching staff feel that they can bring him back from where he is right now to the frankly I mean you know a pro bowl caliber quarterback he was in that short stretch that earned him the big money and do you want to commit to $32 million a year for a guy that's a massive question mark? Because mm-hmm. you will inherit right. that contract. So I, I, 
I kind of am more pessimistic on it. But again, what I don't know, and really no, none of us do, what do those guys in the on West 56th Street think about Carson Wentz? Because if he's if he's identified as the guy, it would not shock me for them to go and get him. They're going to have a mid-teens draft choice. They could promise a first this year and a first in two years and throw in a second. I mean, it's going to be a massive package for the guy, even though he's played like you know kind of poo poo these last these last right. eight weeks. Absolutely. But it's going to be a massive package. There's no way around it. Um, so it will be interesting. But you also have to garner, if they feel they want to move on from Carson Wentz, do they feel like letting him rest the rest of the season and, and revamping their offensive line will fix his issues? So there's a lot of just unknowns there. I, I think there's a lot of guys in the Carson Wentz book that wouldn't necessarily shock me if the Colts decided to, or Phil Rivers decided to hang it up. But it doesn't sound like, Honestly, if I if I was a betting man, sometimes I am. I would I would put money on on Phil Rivers coming back next year. I, I really think he'll be back next year. I think the Colts will continue to take a look at Jacob Eason. And this uh, is a little early, but I, I there might be three quarterbacks that are worthy of first round selection. And who's to say that one wouldn't fall into the late teens, early twenties where the Colts take? So right. now they have needs. They have pass rush needs. They have offense. I, frankly, they have offensive lineman needs. And I, I, I think that's one thing in, in Indianapolis you don't hear a lot about, that that offensive line is, is clearly not right. And they, they, need, they need to address it through the draft, uh, continue to address it through the draft next year, whether it's the first pick or the second pick, or the, they need to address the offensive line. And that's a major priority as is the pass rush. Everything else is, pretty darn good. I mean, when you think about this team, this Colts team, they're in great shape to make a little run here over two or three years mm-hmm. with what they have and where things are, are headed. Let's talk a little bit about the Colts. So they got the Texans uh, tomorrow, obviously just a, 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 just one week separating them from a big win down in Houston. And here, here, here's the thing. Uh, you you got to think that the Texans have just ingrained that whole game in their memory and the mistakes they made you got to think you got to think that they won't make again so the Colts are playing great ball we, we we're looking at two teams here for the, the the fight in the AFC South Tennessee has got the Lions the Lions don't have their coach but they've they've uh, don't have a head coach now and they went on with um, uh, Patricia I'm sorry uh, but they have the the Titans the Titans don't have Marcus Mariota. We saw Marcus Mariota play on Thursday night with the Raiders. That's a non-factor. But the Titans are a factor. Texans have to win. I mean, I'm sorry. Woo, don't want to put a curse on us. The Colts have to win, and the Titans have to lose. And that just has to happen. What are your thoughts on that for tomorrow? Uh, I, don't, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't think Tennessee is going to lose. Uh, however, I do like the fact that I think the Colts can win two of these last three. Um, I, I don't know. The Pittsburgh game is one of those that, like, there's a blueprint to beat Pittsburgh, but I'm not sure we have the personnel to execute yeah. that blueprint. Because uh, there is there's a way to beat them. You can, you can go and, – and here's where it gets interesting. 
yes, we don't get pressure, and I'm totally changing the subject, but we don't get pressure, <laughs> pressure around the edge too well, but we do get up the middle, and that might disrupt Roethlisberger. So I don't rule that game out, but it's going to be a tough one. I think to eat, give, give yourself a, even a chance to win the division, you have to win your last three. I do think to even make the wild card, you've got to win two of your last three. Now that would appear to be very doable with Houston and Jacksonville. Back to Houston. What makes them incredibly dangerous is, number one, their quarterback's pissed off. That's a bad thing when you're, when you're good because he's good. They also don't have a first-round draft pick. So it's not like losing helps them. So they actually – I mean, it, it would be one thing for um, their coaching staff or Romeo Cornell to say, yeah, you know what, we're going to rest some guys and make sure they're everybody – you're only playing if you're 100% healthy, which we know at this time of year very few are. That's not really a thing for them. Miami owns their draft pick. So it doesn't do anything for them to – I don't believe in the tanking thing, but I do believe that some teams – in the front office care less about winning down the stretch if they're out of it. I think Houston, this is not a gimme tomorrow. I, I think Houston's upset. The Colts essentially ended their season. I mean, and essentially when the Colts beat them, that was it. That like the little momentum they had with a half a chance, it was gone. I don't know if they're officially eliminated, but anytime you eliminate a team and then turn around and play them again, two weeks later, that would seem to me a, be a bad combo. However, the Colts are clearly the more talented team, you know, they, but they have the edge at the most absolute important position at quarterback. And that does give a Colts fan, I think, a, a scare. I look for the Colts to win this game tomorrow. I look for Tennessee to win this game tomorrow. It's going to come down to week 17. Maybe. It, it may not if the Colts drop to Pittsburgh next week. But, you know, the Colts can look at themselves. They came out flat week one. And if there is such a lesson to learn, you cannot come out and lose to a far, um, a, a far less talented team. They lost to a bad Jacksonville team. Jacksonville may win what two games and one of them's against you. That's not good. Right. And that's going to likely cost you the, the division. I don't, get too upset about the Titans loss because you were you were without like five of your seven best players I mean that's a tough game to win and you know in this COVID year we're in that that was a possibility so you cannot afford to lose a game like to Jacksonville that's just that's going to land you in the wild card when you could be hosting a playoff game I've been talking with Matt Hicks uh, joining us today to cover the NFL with us today real quickly uh, before we have to wrap it up and put a bowl on it does the Super Bowl in the AFC go through Kansas City or Pittsburgh? Mm, what a great question. I think I, 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 there is no there, – there are tiers in the AFC, I think. There are tiers of teams, and those two teams are clearly in the top tier. And then there's a bunch of teams in the second tier. And here's where it gets wild. Anybody in tier two is really on a given good day capable of beating a tier one team. So – I boy, if I had to if I had to choose right now, it would be Kansas City. I just think offensively, boy, they are talented. Not that Pittsburgh isn't, but Kansas City, boy, they're so good uh, with Mahomes and and they run the ball well. I don't know that that offensive line is great, but they're adequate, and that might be good enough. Their defense is going to give up points though, and that's where I. Oh, boy, I tell you what, if we see an AFC championship game between Kansas City and Pittsburgh, they're both used to playing outdoors. I mean, all these things, there's no real edge in the X-factor category. 
good quarterbacks. Mahomes, obviously, at this point, you know, considerably better. But, you know, the weapons Kansas City has with, with Hill and Watkins and, and, and the tight end, and boy. Uh, and then you go to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh can beat you, like, different ways. They can, they can pound and ground and run the ball and, and then beat you over the top with Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. They're so talented, uh, and then you throw in their defense, just a, not a traditional Pittsburgh Steelers defense, but a very above-average secondary, and then the, the great T.J. Watt, who is so interchangeable like his older brother, they're, they're good. And honestly, I, I don't know who's better right now. I, I, I tend to, this week, I think Kansas City's better, but two weeks ago, I thought Pittsburgh was better. So I don't know who I'd give the edge to. But they're clearly the class, frankly, of the NFL right now. I don't think any, anybody in the NFC really gets me that excited um, to see each other play than when those two will match up in the playoffs, I assume, in the AFC Championship game. Because I honestly, in a playoff situation, yeah, somebody might get lucky, but I just don't see you know, any of those other teams other than maybe Buffalo because Buffalo is kind of playing with house money. Oh, yeah. And I could see them it's pulling definitely. an upset. Matt Hicks, we appreciate you joining us and jumping in uh, for us today, uh, and I hope you have a great holiday. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Well, I'm on Twitter occasionally at HicksSim05, but um, as many of your uh, previous guests, I am a radio-free agent, so right. I wander aimlessly around, and who knows? <laughs> I, the, do- the door is certainly not closed, but it's certainly not wide open right now. So, uh, but yeah, I'm around and it's uh, having fun and um, watching sports and occasional make occasional bet on sports to make it a little more interesting and uh, we'll see we'll see today's going to be a great day of football. I mean, what a great day of football in college! Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, man, you have yourself a merry Christmas and I hope you get everything you that you wish for. All right, buddy. You too, Tom. Have a wonderful holiday. Thanks. You too. Matt Hicks, uh, thank you, uh, Rick Riggin and Scott Lamb, for joining us. And, and as you know, the first half of our, we did the Facebook Live. We're going to continue to try to do that. But also remember, every Wednesday we're going to be doing the Facebook uh, Live uh, event. We're just on Facebook. Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast joined us, as well as Kit Sterling from KitSterling.com and, and Matt Hicks. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and, and, and spend some time with your loved ones, tell them you love them because tomorrow isn't promised. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Merry Christmas, y'all.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.